Welcome to Podship Earth. This is your host, Jared Blumenfeld. Eight hundred years before Christ, the Greeks started creating marble sculptures of unparalleled beauty. This alluring and easy-to-carve white stone has held a mythical place in our hearts ever since. In this week's episode, I travel to Italy to meet marble quarry workers in Carrara. I talk with marble carvers in Pietra Santa and with an environmental campaigner who's trying to protect the marble-rich Apuan Alps from destruction at the hands of industrial-scale marble mining. I went into this adventure with a very romantic view of what I'd find. I was in for a big surprise. I start in San Francisco at Fox Marble, which supplies stone to most of the western United States. Fox Marble has rows of large slabs of stone and sits on the last remaining industrial patch of San Francisco. Charlie McLaughlin founded the company back in the 1980s and remains the CEO today. I start by asking Charlie how given that every new and old hotel, office lobby, bathroom and gym seems to be covered with marble, whether there can possibly be enough marble for this trend to continue. Yeah, the, uh, the reality is, Jared, uh, there is no issue of supply whatsoever. The classic marbles are never going anywhere. The Italian Carraras are timeless and the quarries are Absolutely, they are sustainable in terms, we have thousands a year supply without even putting a dent because the, the reserves are so rich and, and the Italians have run a very tight ship in terms of safety, environmental controls and whatnot. We have relationships with the best Italian companies in Italy. So I remember when I first went out to the quarries in Carrara, they were still drilling holes and then putting dried peas in and then filling the hole with water and the peas would expand and the marble block would crack off. Things don't change. Back in the days, the wooden wedges and the water, the wedge expands, and that's still happening. Uh, But they are using a newer generation of diamond wires. Um, But, oh, the basics of the industry have not changed in millennia. Mm -hmm. It's just gotten a little more efficient and a little more uh, um, environmentally sensitive they're not blasting the sides of mountains like they used to back in the old days there italy's blessed with white marble oh my god it's uh it's unlimited it seems that way i don't think there's any worry in generations and generations to come but what you'll see is white marble is just it's timeless it's you'll see it all around there china's eating up everything they can produce Mm. india of course the north america uh, but uh, the classic white marbles, which are coming out of Carrara, there's really nothing else on the earth to, that I've seen. There's other white marbles coming out of Vietnam and other places, but it's not quite the same. The Italian whites, the structure, the composition, the beauty. Has the price increased to the consumer? What's going up is these exotic, they call calicatas and beautiful, rich veining. Those prices are gone. It's it's just um, unbelievable. They're uh, maybe a thousand dollars per square meter for three quarter inch thick. Demand keeps going up. What do you look for in a good quarry? Well, it takes years of relationship building, knowing where are the people that the suppliers with integrity. You heard the story about the uh, Michelangelo and his famous story. 
about finding the David? No. No, it's a true story. He got up one morning. He'd been looking for the perfect block for years, and and he looked, 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 couldn't find it. And one day he's walking uh, out of Florence down the hill, and he looks in this vacant building site, and sees this overgrown yard with this giant block of marble. And they had some workers come. They cleared it away, and he found the the perfect block of marble. They'd been walking by every day for years, and that's how the David was made. And then they asked him, well, how did you create such a beautiful, amazing thing? He says, I just carved away everything that wasn't David. Natural stone is not going away, believe me. My mom, Helene, has been sculpting marble since the mid-1970s, so I grew up with a community of people who appreciate and understand marble. My mom is still creating amazing sculptures in Italy today. I fly from San Francisco to Pisa and then drive up the Tyranian coast to Carrara for a family visit. To better understand the marble industry, my son Marcus and I plan to visit the Carrara Marble Museum. We drive up into the Apuan Alps along narrow roads with hairpin turns. We enter an unlit, hand-chiseled tunnel. At the far end is a man getting out of a jeep who flags us down. Luciano is my name. I live here in Miseglia. Miseglia is a little village. 300 people, 200 work here. Uh, here I am the chief. Luciano offered to show us around the quarry and we gladly accept. The work in top now is finished. Stop. Now every year continued 10 meters in vertical and 100 horizontal. 10, 100, 10, 100. This system is called terrazze, bancate, gradoni. Repeat every year. Three years and this quarry is finished. Stop. Bye-bye, marble. How long has it been a quarry? Yeah, uh, this, uh, 2,000 here holds. And only three more years to go? Three years is finished. One piece is good for Dubai, six pieces for toothpaste. What do you for mean? What does... For the pharmaceutic industry, for medicinal and for toothpaste. The problem is this, fracture, fracture, fracture. Fracture, no good quality. The heart of the quarry is this, jacuzzi. Batroom, Dubai. What happens in three years? Three years and this quarry is finished. Stop. In the future, this quarry will be a location for Bocelli. Andrea Bocelli live here because this quarry is lucky for this material. Mm. But this quarry is lucky for the echo. Oh! What will happen to the people working here? In the future... When, do, when this quarry is finished, the last mountain is next is this. Luciano points to the last remaining green hillside on the other side of his quarry, which contains some of the last good quality Carrara marble on the planet. Questa okay. è l'ultima, the last mountain. Dopo mm. after the marble, bye bye. 50 years and the marble is finished. Wow. 50 years. Dopo, so not, that's not very long. Uh, 50 years. The future, no big chain, no diamond chain. The future is the laser. The laser is the future. We've had marble for 2,000 years in this quarry, and now in 50 years there'll be no marble left? The, the marble was formatted into the sea. Fossil, mineral, little mineral, little fossil, into the sea, million, million years ago. And now it's finished. The first of the Romans, 2,000 years ago. And now... Mm. Bye-bye. Repeat, 50 years, the marble is finished. Mm. I was totally shocked by Luciano's candid analysis of the future of Italian marble. 
His quarry that has been in operation for 2,000 years will end in 2021, and 50 years after that, he predicts there'll be no more Italian white marble at all. What's more, Luciano opened our eyes to the fact that the majority of his marble is sold to Dubai for jacuzzis and to the pharmaceutical and manufacturing sector as calcium carbonate powder that goes into products like toothpaste. Next, I meet up with Eros Tetti, who runs the Italian environmental group to save the Apuan Alps. I start by asking Eros to tell us a little bit about the Apuan Mountains. So the Apuan Alps uh, are a little chain of mountains in north of Tuscany, and they are famous in all the world for their beautiful white marble. Uh, white marble has been used from the most famous uh, sculptors in the world, like Michelangelo. And uh, these are really, uh, really beautiful mountains because they are like uh, tectonic windows. And in this side of the world, has come out uh, an inner side of the earth. And then is made all from marble. They are like they are coming out the sea and they are pointing the the sky. You know, it's like they are trying to grab the sky, and they are made of white marble. So this makes them unique because this kind of you, when, when you walk on them and the sun, you see the sun uh, reflecting on the stones. You can even arrive to see Florence when you are on the top of the mountains. And you see, you can see far away. And especially, uh, they are called the, um, the Garden of Europe because uh, it's one of the, the places with highest, highest uh, um, biodiversity in uh, the Mediterranean. Because uh, from one side, uh, you see all the continental flora and fauna. You can see all these kind of uh, um, trees and... Uh, uh, grass and flowers, typical of the northern side of Europe. And on the other side, you can see all the Mediterranean flora and fauna. It's like they are, uh, we say, they are like is the point where the, the, the two are hugging each other. So in this place, you can see both of them kissing each other on these beautiful white marbles. Eros. Maybe tell us a little bit about the history of marble quarries in this area. They have been mining since uh, probably before Christ for uh, this uh, beautiful material that has been used to build a wonderful city like uh, Florence and Rome. And In the last uh, few decades, uh, everything has changed. Marble is made 100% of carbonate calcium. And now the uh, factories demanding a lot of this material for many, many kind of use, like uh, toothpaste and many other products. In the last uh, decades, started to accelerate the excavation a lot. This business has become bigger and bigger. And uh, mafia has arrived. Uh, All the material is in the hands of few industrial people, few businessmen, and uh, these people uh, do not take take care about mountains, do not take care about community, they just exploit the mountains, exploit the community. The marble economy stopped any other kind of development, and it became like a monocultural, Mm. a monocultural economy. Tell us about um, the speed with which they're excavating the marble. I should say in 1960s, for example, uh, 14,000 people were working at the quarries, 14,000. Now they 
are less than 600, 700. Nowadays, they extract in one day the same amount of material before it was in the 1960s, took four months. So in one day, the same amount of four months before. So the speed is really has accelerated in a crazy way. It's more than five million tons of marble extracted every year from our mountains. Of these five million uh, tons extracted, the 80% is uh, uh, dusted into powder to make carbonate calcium. The other 20% is uh, used uh, some for art and all the rest for building furniture, and make stairs and other things. So we suppose only 1% is going for art. So we suppose in the 1960s was less than 1 million uh, tons, but probably even less. And nowadays it's 5 million tons per year. That is uh, absolute craziness. Everybody knows what's going on. And everybody knows he cannot carry on like this. Was there a moment, what, like, what convinced you to, to become an activist? I started this, uh, this battle 10 years ago, and, uh, but it came uh, from a big, uh, big, big moment of meditation about what was happening to my mountains. Actually, many people consider the Upon Alps like the, big, the biggest European uh, environmental disaster. And uh, probably it's true because an entire chain of mountains is under attack. And uh, we, we, we have to realize that it's a small chain long, like uh, 50 kilometers. And in 50 kilometers, we are more than 800, 800 uh, quarry, some active, some inactive. And, uh, but uh, all, they, they, they go across this little chain of mountains that is really under attack. So when, when you see them, there's a lot of greenery, and then suddenly it's just carved. The, the whole mountain is removed. I mean, in the United States, as in um, West Virginia and Kentucky, it's called mountaintop removal. They take the whole top of the mountain off uh, coal. Even, uh, as the, even the industrialists lost the control because many big, big interests around the world that arrived, like the Bin Laden family that is arrived and bought... Uh, the 50% of the Carrara's marble. So the, okay, just to be clear, this is the same Bin Laden family as Osama Bin Laden. Exactly, it's the same family. They own one of the biggest companies for building company around the world. And they are so interested in the white uh, marble of Carrara, of course, for their buildings in Saudi Arabia and around the world. And have you met with the Bin Laden family? No, of course not. <laughs> they, they just own it and they just... Um, buy the marble, I suppose none of them is, has ever come here, just <laughs> a contract with some uh, local industrial, probably, industrialist, probably. But, uh, I mean, that you, you're, you're battling, like, a big Saudi Arabian family, you're battling the mafia, you're battling the local politicians. It's, it's a tough fight. <laughs> yeah, it's a tough fight, but it's even tough what they're doing and as all the world is watching at the moment. The only choice we have is to fight for our, uh, uh, for our place, for our mountains, and uh, keep believing that uh, they will come, uh, it will come better time for this area. So no one seems to know this. Like, so they came and bought some of these marble quarries? Yes, and we are like uh, 
under a sort of uh, neo-colonialism mm. uh, attack to our mountains that uh, they just take away the material, they exploit, they leave us poor and they destroy our water springs, they, they, they pollute them, they pollute the air and they leave us without nothing. Uh, these mountains are a place of death, not a place for live. So tell us a little bit about the pollution of the stream. The powder of marble, but the powder of marble is not only <clears throat> a pure powder marble that they make uh, uh, a biological pollution, but there is there are even uh, petroleum, there are even heavy metal that pollute everything. So we have to filter our water. When they are excavating the marble, they just chop the streams. So the water doesn't go inside the mountains anymore. So how many people are still employed in the marble quarries? Nowadays, not many people are working on the quarries. Less, we, we suppose less than 600 people are working mm. around the quarries. We know all the Upon Alps, so less than a little factory, actually. <laughs> the marble around in this area is not being worked anymore and is brought to China, to India, and to other cheap places, and they send the marble, and the marble come, mark, come back sculpted. They don't work here, the marble, anymore. The line between uh, corruption, between politics, between mafia, between industrialists, is always a big trouble in this, this area, and as well in Italy, because all the businesses are connected uh, sometimes with mafia in a sort of way or with uh, corrupted politicians or whatsoever. And have, you, have you ever felt in danger? Yeah, yeah, in the last years we felt in danger many times, especially uh, in 2015 we started a big battle to make a landscape plan to protect all the areas around uh, Tuscany, and we found some people, some strange people we didn't know, and they just come to me and say, oh, be careful, they are not playing, they are not messing. They just put a marble cross outside, like, be careful, because otherwise uh, <laughs> we, make you, we make you big problems. They tried before to close our mouth, but we carry on. It's not easy because... Uh, uh, the mafia is always working in many, in many ways, you know, to leave you isolated. And uh, we realized that the best way was to carry on and go forward and speak with the press, speak with the people, and uh, even our group on Facebook that today is nearly 12,000 people. So, Eros, what's your organization's vision for a more sustainable future in the Appalachian Alps? We propose a different future for our mountains. Uh, we propose a different economy based on tourism, on the agriculture, and all the ancient activities were made on our mountains. The use of marble, but marble used only for art and crafts, you not know, used for industrial products. We want development, we want a different development. Our mountains, are, uh, they, they don't grow back. They just, if you cut them, they don't grow back, they just, we lose uh, our landscape. It's called, uh, the Alpine Alps is called uh, the place where the memories uh, disappear. This is not only a problem of uh, uh, beauty, uh, it's not only a problem of uh, damaged landscape, but it's a more deeper problem uh, of the psychology of our communities, that they don't recognize their landscape day by day. 
We are losing our identity, our cultures. Our politicians are leading our landscape, our territory, our people, our towns, our villages, our cities. And we are against this kind of uh, direction. We want another direction for our people. We are exhausting our mountains, with all uh, the veins, the marble veins, and uh, the industrialists. They are like uh, fighting each other to, to have the, the last veins of marble to sell everywhere. The, the um, optimistic uh, forecast, they say there are 50 years left, but uh, there are probably less than that. And when the marble will be finished, our, our, our territory will be left in uh, terrible current condition because the mountains will be useless and um, we cannot at the point uh, promote any, kind, any other kind of uh, economy. So how are you trying to bring about this change? Uh, what we are asking really loud to all our politicians, to all, even to the industrial people, because we, we even ask to them to sit down at the table and to think a different future for this place and, without, and stop to be greedy, stop to be selfish and give back to the community something because it's our right to have a different future on our landscape. And what can Podship Earth listeners do to help you? The, the people, all the people around the world, be, be, be careful what they, what they are buying actually and uh, what kind of impact they have on the environment. Another thing uh, um, I would like uh, to, to say to the, to the American people is not to buy marble or probably many kind of stones because uh, uh, we are keep, keeping extracting material that is not renewable and uh, cannot be replaced in the place where it's taken, especially in the, a kind of fragile uh, landscape like uh, the Alpan Alps. We need different approach to the environmental stuff because the environmental, environmental stuff is not talk about something far away from us, but it's talk about the place where we live in and we are part of it. We cannot divide us from our environment. Another thing I am asking also is to come and visit because uh, it's one of the most wonderful places uh, around Italy on the Mediterranean and it's so romantic, so beautiful and uh, I will be pleased to introduce you to this area. Holy crap, this is turning into a James Bond movie. We now have both the Bin Laden family, the Mafia, combining with Chinese and Dubai buyers who are fighting over what may be the last blocks of Carrara marble and 80% of this marble is being turned into dust for toothpaste. 19% is getting manufactured into sinks and jacuzzis and only 1% is being transformed into beautiful sculptures. Next, I travel 10 miles to the south to go to Pietrasanta, where for hundreds of years, artists from Leonardo to Henry Moore to Noguchi to my mom have worked with artisans to bring marble to life. I visit with Valentina Foger to ask her about what brought Michelangelo to Pietrasanta in the first place. Michelangelo grew up in the Medici family. One of the Medici family uh, became uh, Pope Leo X and he was a good friend of Michelangelo. Uh, in 1513 was given uh, to Florence. 
Pope Leo X so wanted to use his own quarries, like his Florence quarries. Um, and, and this is why then forced Michelangelo to come and work here. So, so the Pope, the reason they forced Michelangelo to come here is because the Pope wanted him to work in the Pope's quarries, for all the, the Pope's stone. Yes, uh, so they didn't have to pay much more for Carrara marble. But in fact, uh, Michelangelo came here in uh, 1518 and stayed for three years. He was not able to work as a sculptor, neither as an artist, but he had to become an engineer. Now in 2018, we are celebrating the uh, 500th uh, anniversary of the arrival of Michelangelo in Versilia. And we're trying to retrace what Michelangelo did as a city of Pietrasanta, for example, we launched a um, competition for young artists to sculpt uh, marble in a sculpture in two copies, one done with uh, the traditional system and the other one all uh, in a technological system and software. But now uh, we do have an ethical problem in Pietrasanta because they're um, very old and traditional artisans The blame technology or um, computer systems in, uh, in the use of, of sculpting with marble. So what will happen if the traditional way of sculpting marble is lost forever? I don't know, it's, uh, it's, um, it's awful to say, it's going to be lost. We have the tools here, but uh, the tradition is not well preserved. It's not preserved enough because um, uh, the, the gold, the hands of the artisan, it's, uh, it's disappearing. It's, uh, it's terrible. You have different specialties, you know, the sculptors, uh, the artisan that used to make uh, only the, the dresses, the others only the eyes or the nose or the face or the hair or the wonderful um, arms. You see the difference mm. uh, between uh, the sculptures that were made at the beginning of the 20th century and the ones that are made now. I was speaking to a um, quarry owner yesterday who was saying that even for some of the statues, the Carrara marbles shipped to China, the Chinese artisans and machines work, and then they sell them as made in Italy. Uh, for sure, like uh, prosciutto di Parma, you know, it's the same. In China, they um, founded a city called Parma so they can sell prosciutto di Parma from China. So they're going to probably call a city Pietrasanta in China, they're going to do the same. Within 50 years, there may be no longer statuary quality marble left in Carrara. What would that mean for a town like Pietrasanta? Well, it's terrible to say. Um, I don't know. If you don't have the, you know, the prime material, then uh, I don't know. That would really affect the future. Next, I traveled to Studio Sem to meet with Leonardo Burati, who is one of the finest marble carvers and artisans in the world. I asked him what it feels like to work with marble every day. It's a strange feeling because, uh, you see, in this area... It's marble for us is a quite a common, a common thing. So everything here is made in marbles. My father was a was a stone carver, and so for me, carving the marble is something natural. But we don't realize how precious it is, how precious um, our mountains are, um, 
how they are unique. So sometimes we are, we are spoiling our, our place. So sometimes when you work, you cut away part of stones and you are really, you feel like you are spoiling something precious. So on one way, it's, uh, yeah, it's a beautiful work. On the other way, uh, you feel like there is something wrong in that. <laughs> so it's a mix, you know, mix of feelings, yeah. Leonardo, are you worried that the marble carving skills that have been passed down from generation to generation are dying out? I think that um, the best period for the stone carving techniques was the, the end of the 19th century and uh, we already lost a lot of those techniques so I think I would never come in my life to that level. Maybe I, I can reach other levels, I mean we got new technologies. When you're going um, to look for a big block of marble, is it harder and harder to find good blocks of marble? Have all the good blocks been taken? <laughs> yes, okay, that's another big question. Consider that when we go and buy a block of marble uh, in the quarrymen, normally I know for sure that they say, okay, the stone carvers are coming, because normally we are uh, <laughs> in English, it's a pain in the ass, <laughs> because we want that kind of block, uh, not only that part of the block and uh, we just want them to turn the entire wall of when they cut a wall of, uh, of the mountain and we want just a single part and so um, it's a little bit uh, complicated for them uh, to work with us the productions that add more extra value to the to the stone and that should be something to take care of in this area where we sell tons of block to everyone for a cheap price but from us they want and higher, uh, higher price. So if they sell 200 to a Chinese that comes here and buy 100 blocks, we want just a single part of the block and we paid 1,000 instead of 100. So who else is competing for the marble? There is a big competence between, uh, between Arabian and Chinese that arrives and, and buy everything. Good blocks comes and goes, and, uh, but the real trouble is how we use it, how, what, what's the use that we make out of that. But we see every year the tons and tons of marble going away from Italy and uh, entire part of mountains that are disappearing, uh, mountain tops that are cutting down and uh, for nothing, almost for nothing. We should want to, to use the marble in a different way. But it's a bigger, uh, involves a bigger question of the few families that control the um, excavation of marble and, uh, and a lot of politics systems that are quite um, dark. <laughs> so, yeah. Thank you so much to Charlie McLaughlin, Luciano, Eros Tetti, Valentina Fuga, and Leonardo Barotti for shedding light on the impacts and intrigue behind the ancient marble business. Advances in extraction technologies have led to a race to the bottom in which non-renewable resources like marble, titanium, iron, coal, gold, and oil are viewed as inexhaustible. Our belief that these materials will never run out masks a much darker truth one of corruption and significant long-term environmental consequences that you can witness at nearly every mining and drilling operation on the planet. When Charlie from Fox Marble said that he thought that the marble in Carrara would never run out, it's because that's what everyone in Italy wants you to think. Selling marble is big business and exposing, as Eros Tetti has done, the links to the Bin Laden family, the mafia, and the fact that there's not much marble left is threatening some very powerful interests. It takes a lot of courage to protect the planet, and I especially want to thank Eros. Hopefully, architects and designers will think twice before purchasing marble 
owned by the Bin Laden family. The beautiful marble mountains of the Apuan Alps are being destroyed to make items as trivial as toothpaste and jacuzzis, and that is totally unacceptable. As is the fact that local artists are being driven out of business by forgers in China. The Italian government should establish an export ban on all of the highest quality marble, which should be reserved exclusively for artists. This year, we're celebrating the 500th anniversary of the unveiling of the David by Michelangelo. We need to make sure that there is marble in place 500 years from now so that a future artist can carve a new figure out of this beautiful white Carrara stone. Next week, we go to London to work out what the hell is going on with Brexit. Is it happening? And if it is, how does it impact the environmental laws on the books in Britain? We talked to Stanley Johnson, author, reality TV star and father of the British Foreign Secretary Boris Johnson, about what is at stake in the current Brexit negotiations. Thank you so much for being part of the Podship Earth journey from the entire Podship Earth crew, sound engineer Rob Spate, producer Nancy Ferranti, executive producer David Kahn and me, Jared Blumenfeld. Have an absolutely fabulous week and don't lose your marbles. Marbles.